David is someone who in many ways, as he followed Christ, we said, this is, this is a thousand years before Jesus. Well, there's no question about it, but he was being led by the Spirit. And as we know, there's almost an interchange that can be done between the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus. They're, in fact, in Acts chapter 13, they're interchangeable as we saw a number of months back. Now, of course, so there's the same substance. I won't get into the Trinitarian ideas, but it, it, it's exactly what this is. Certainly, we wouldn't want to imitate David in many of the atrocities that he committed, uh, either murder or adultery or some of these other things. But boy, he was, he was really imitatable because in many aspects of his life. Why? Because the Bible simply says he was a man after God's own heart. There's nothing I want to be more said about me at the end of my life that he was a man after God's own heart. How about you, ladies? Would you like that to be said about you? No, not a man, but you would love to be said, hey, she was a woman after God's own heart. And so, David, I mean, you look back at the patriarchs, none of them were perfect. We don't find one patriarch in all of Scripture ever that was even remotely perfect. But as they looked either forward to the cross or after the new covenant came and Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, as they looked back, they were imitating Christ. And you can see through their actions. And that's what we have chronicled in Scripture. You know, one of the things I spent another hour with he and his friend. He had one, a friend come. And when the girls were off this morning, we, we just sat around and I kind of exposed them some of the Old Testament they hadn't really seen before. I said, it's just so packed full of incredibly deep and profound ways and insights into life. And as we imitate these characters, in, not in their flaws, but in their, their glorious activity that we see chronicled in scriptures, we're actually imitating God. There's no question about it. Hebrews 6 verse 12 simply says, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. I'm going to tell you, we'll talk about this in a minute, but who are those that we can imitate that are even alive today and many of them even in this auditorium here this evening? Who are those people you can imitate in the way, like Paul said, in the way in which they follow Christ? And in doing so, you'll actually be imitating God. I know that's kind of a wild thought, but there are people around you that are reflecting the very nature of God. And as you copy their behavior in various ways, you actually become imitators of God. It's a powerful thought, isn't it? It's a really powerful thought. I look for those people in my life, and I work diligently to surround myself with people like that. That's why community is so important. It's real easy to just get out there, and I'll go when I want. I go to church and go every once in a while and kind of throw my two cents towards God and all that kind of thing. But what you don't understand is not about just coming to church. It's about us coming together as a community so I can be around other people that are reflecting different facets of the incredible God that we serve, and then I see them, and something deep down in my soul something driving me that just goes, wait a minute, I want to be more like that. And I think some of this happens even on a subconscious level. I think psychologists call this mirroring as much as they call it imitating. It's mirroring. It's a reflection of uh, you put somebody in a situation long enough to where the attributes of God are present, those people will just become, they'll become like that. It's almost like osmosis. They'll just become more like that, just being in that environment. And the inverse is true. You put somebody out in the middle of chaos and, and disgusting situations 
situations, it's hard for that not to rub off on you and on your soul and darken your soul in some way. It's just difficult. It's difficult. Uh, The Bible's full of admonitions to be careful. Bad company, the Bible says, corrupts good morals. Well, again, the inverse can be true, right? So if bad company corrupts it, what does good company do? Well, those imitating God, I want to be around them. Probably, there's probably nothing more worthwhile in this life that you'll do is than to surround yourself with people that are reflecting God and maybe much further along the journey than you are. And in that way, you just become more like them. You begin to take on their interests, and as we'll see in a minute, you actually begin to, you begin to love God like they do. And in doing so, you'll want to imitate God. And that's a powerful thought for me. Well, what does our culture do here? Um, well, our culture is desperate to imitate, uh, and yet they say that they're not. I, one, of the, one of the clips that I love, and I, you guys just have to, are you okay with these movie clips? I, just, I see stuff, and I go, that would make a great sermon. And I've always, for like 30 years, I've seen that. Well, now I actually have a chance to play this stuff up here. And I'm like, I can't wait to play it. Well, who, especially the men. One of the movies that you just watch, because as even little boys, we want to be like Braveheart. We want to have, well, we want to have, we want to have a brave heart. I mean, who didn't want to have a brave heart? You know? I mean, I don't know how well it would do in the box office. Fearful heart. Hmm, beautiful. I would love to do that. You know, everything, are you ready to go in? No, I'm running the other way. I mean, I mean, no, we don't want that. We want to be like, well, we want to be like, what was his name? Well, William Wallace, who was defending Scotland against the, the, the Scot, you know, he's trying to defend Scotland uh, against what? Edward the Longshanks. And uh, this was the battle here, uh, Braveheart. And there's a particular scene where Robert the Bruce is there, and he, he's kind of turned. He's been a turncoat here. He gave up his friend, and he's just eaten up inside. And yet you can see, oh, that I could imitate and watch. Oh, that I could imitate. Oh, that I could imitate William Wallace. Just maybe have what to believe like he believes. Let's watch this clip. Your face looks graver than mine. Son. I must have alliance with England to prevail here. You achieved that. You saved your family, increased your land. In time, you will have all the power in Scotland. Lands, titles, men, power, nothing. Nothing? I have nothing. Men fight for me, because if they do not, I throw them off my land and I starve their wives and their children. Those men who bled the ground red at Falkirk, They fought for William Wallace, and he fights for something that I've never had. 
And I took it from him when I betrayed him and I saw it in his face on the battlefield. And it's tearing me apart. All men betray. All lose heart. I don't want to lose heart! never be on the wrong side again. We see these qualities. Of course, we see these qualities in Jesus, don't we? We see these qualities. We, we're so desperate for these qualities that we want to imitate. It's like land, power, all this. Who cares? I want I want what he's got. His men fight for him because they, they, they love him and they love his cause and he's a leader and I'm a coward. I mean, we feel that often. Are you leading a life that others would want to imitate? I mean, that's the question too. I mean, that, that begs the question. Of course, we're supposed to imitate God, but in doing so, when we imitate God, we're actually walking into a life that others, they may not admit it, they may not see it, but deep down, they want that same kind of courage. They don't wanna be strapped in to the, to the fear of losing what they have financially and all that. They want to take these massive risks. They want a life that means something. They wanna believe. Are we giving them something that they can imitate? I mean, that's a big question. So, you know, our culture often talks about imitation is like a crutch. I mean, really. I mean, it if, you, if you're imitating somebody, you lack originality. You lack creativity. You lack resourcefulness. All these things you're lacking if you're just someone who imitates. Is that true? Well, I don't think so. But listen to some of our culture. Listen to some of the snapback here. Samuel Johnson says, no man was ever great by imitation. Wasn't that dependent upon who you're imitating? As if we don't imitate. I mean, that's the thing I want you to grab you. At some point, you're going to imitate somebody in your life. You're not an original. Nobody is an original. Jesus was an original. God the Father is an original. We are created beings. We are, by definition, necess it's necessary for us to imitate. Theodore Adorno says the human is indissolubly linked with what? Imitation. A human only becomes human at all by imitating other human beings. I mean, if we, if, if we come out of the womb and we never imitate other human beings, I could be groveling on the ground. I could be crawling around like a snake. I could, you know, I could not speak. I could, you know, there's imitation that's involved with all of us, and yet we claim this originality. And the, and the world just goes after whatever it is, be original, be original, be original. And in doing so, they're almost imitating this just desire to be original. I mean, it's just bizarre. It's just bizarre. Louis Rayner, the, he says, the best imitation in the world is not half as good as a poor original. Was that true? Well, again, again, I guess it depends on who you're trying to imitate. Good old Mae West, she had something to say about imitation. Some of you younger people have no idea who Mae West, I won't go into any descriptions, but she says, I'm no model lady, 
A model's just an imitation of the real thing. In other words, I'm the real thing, kids. You know, I'm the real thing. You know, that's Mae West. Uh, Even the Harvard Business Review, uh, with respect to evolutionary psychology, says, at the same time, managers should watch out for this thing called hurting. Managers have to be very cautious of hurting. Uh, A normal human tendency to imitate what others, especially high-status individuals, are doing rather than making their own judgments. Well, there's truth in this. I mean, it's not like that. this is devoid of all truth. I mean, we do have to kind of stand up at various points, but the point is we are all imitators of something or somebody. I don't care how original you think you are. You think you are. You're imitating somebody. I'm just telling you. You got to serve somebody. You got to imitate somebody. You got to. Well, here's what I want to. I want to maybe plant this seed in your heart. If we're, what if we're copying the creation? Well, we're, why would we copy the creation? Why not the creator? If we're going to imitate anybody, why not the creator? What about the living pattern that God has prescribed for his creation? In doing so, I would argue, in doing so, by imitating God, you will become unique, truly original, because God doesn't, he does not create duplicates. Now we know this better than we've ever known it, right? I mean, it's just true. I mean, the head of the Human Genome Project, right? This is, you know, our genetics down or just... Every single human being on the planet that's ever lived is different genetically. We know that's true. I don't know that they could have known that when this was back in the early days. But we know that now. Everybody is uniquely crafted, woven in in your mother's womb, exactly as Psalm 139 alludes to. You are so unique and so original. Why imitate anybody else? As you imitate God and his attributes, you actually walk into the original form in which God created you. Otherwise, you're a cheap fabrication of your culture or, you know, young people. As I know I did. When I was in junior high, I was just desperate to find the popular people and act and walk and talk and be like them and be accepted. Rather than say, you know, who does God say that I am? Who's he uniquely created me to be? And then trying to copy and imitate him and follow him, I walk into being more original than anybody ever that's walked the face of the planet in terms of being just me and as the same applies to you. You become a true original when you imitate God. If you choose not to imitate God, you're a fabrication in some way. You are imitating culture or the creation, and who wants to do that? I think that's really what he's getting at here. It's powerful. So who should we look to? Like who might be in this room that we could imitate? I would look for these qualities, a few that I just thought of this week. Well, maybe those who live by the word. Would that be somebody you would want to imitate? Someone who knows the word and really lives into it. I mean, if you're trying to imitate God, you would want to find somebody who knows the word because Jesus is the word become flesh. And if they know the word, they're probably closer. Now, some people can know the Bible and quote it and not know God at all. But I'm talking about people who both bear fruit and know the word. Those are people worthy of imitation in the sense, not every asset, not every aspect because nobody's perfect perfect again, but I would look for those people that are really in the Word, and I would want to hang around them. I want to be around them. Not hypocrisy. I'm not talking about people who know the Word and then defy it with their actions on a practiced basis. You know, the Bible says those who practice righteousness are righteous. Those who practice, and I'm not, we all sin. There's no question, but some of you are practicers of righteousness. You get up with the intention every day to imitate God. 
I'd be looking for somebody like that. I'd look for those who really love. I mean, if God, the very essence, 1 John 4, if God is love, wouldn't you want to find people that are loving in their actions and be around them? And in that way, you could also imitate God. Wouldn't that be the case for you? What about those who are actually, again, bearing fruit or those with great faith and patience, as we saw in the book of Hebrews? Somebody going through a trial, and yet they're not, their world isn't turned upside down, and they're in chaos, and they're freaking out and everything, and it looks like there's a stability to their life. Isn't that somebody you would want to imitate in some way? It wouldn't be me, and I have. I mean, I, I'll never forget as long as I live, when uh, Laura and I were first married, we met a couple in Tennessee, and we were kind of watching them, and they were homeschooling their kids a little bit, and these kids were were very polite and very, you know, and I think until that point, Laura wasn't really interested in kids. And she saw these kids and go, boy, if our kids, maybe we could have kids that were like that. That would be a whole different story. But we met through this guy. We met an African-American gentleman. He was so sweet and his wife, beautiful girl, and she died during the time that we knew them. And we watched him walk through this and it was unbelievable. It was, it was just like on a steady I mean, uh, he was, I mean, they were not fairly newly married. They did, I don't believe they had any kids, but they were within five years of being married. I mean, they were still in this beautiful relationship and how much he loved her. And then she just slowly, and some of you in here have lost a spouse and slowly, you know, drifted away. And then she passed and he was just a rock solid guy. It, it impacted me. I can't even remember his name, but I just remember the scenario. And I was like, if I ever go through that, I want to imitate that. It's what Jesus was, even in the midst of just the, some of the worst play. It come down, taking on a flesh suit and living under a rebellious world. And nobody, they was being persecuted and falsely accused and all these things. And he just, it was Jesus. I want to imitate that. I want to imitate that. And I want to imitate people who are aggressively seeking the kingdom of heaven. Aggressively. With all their passion. Like, you know, to hell, truly to hell with the rest of my life, I'm pursuing the kingdom. Now, what do you, what do you mean by that, to hell? That, that sounds pretty abrasive, uh, uh, the language that you're using. No, my, my life that was conceived in my own, you know, vanity and all, my, and all my aspirations and everything, that can just go right back to where it, where it was birthed. And I want to live now under God's rule and God's reign. And when I find people that it's like just riveted on the kingdom, I want to be around them. I want to spend time with them. I want to get to know how they roll. I just do. And I want that to rub off on me. And I want their passion to rub off on me. If, I, if I'm around people all, all day that don't care or think about it, I'm just telling you, that's not, there's no wisdom in that. If you're around marriages and all, all the people that you're with socially and all these marriages are falling apart, would you be surprised if your marriage fall, fell apart? Shouldn't surprise you that much if that's the total context of your life. Again, I'm not talking about us being hermits and we go off in our little caves or our little holy huddles. I mean, we're called to be salt and light in the world, but I'm also very aware of who I am around and, and how the imitation or mirroring can, mirroring can happen in my life if I'm not cautious. So I'm intentional and when I do go into those environments, I'm very aware, and I put on, as we'll see in Ephesians chapter 6, I put on the full armor of God, and I'm, I'm aware of who I'm around. I love to just let my hair down and, and be around people who I know are going to help me image God. Boy, I love being around those people. Those are, that, that's valuable. I'd spend all the money in the world just to be around people that were imaging God 
and that I might imitate God as they do, like Paul. I would have loved it. I, I hope I would have had the wisdom if I would have lived 2,000 years ago to say, Paul, I'm traveling with you. Where are you going next? Where's your next missionary journey? What are you doing? Can I just hang out with you? And it would have had all kinds of you know, risk and danger. I, I hope that I wouldn't be a person that would have shrunk from that, that I would have seen just you know, kind of rubbing elbows here with a guy like that, boy, would I have had a brave heart or would I have had a fear, fearful heart? I think many, and if they don't say it, people are just afraid to go full out, full tilt on the kingdom. They are. God's going to ask me to go out and hang out with the pygmies. I mean, that's just always the way it is. I've never actually physically seen a pygmy. I never have. And maybe I won't. I'm sure I would like the pygmies. I mean, I do. I don't know where they, you know, I see him on, the, the, but I've got to tell you, if he calls me to go be the pygmy, pygmies, I know I'm, I want to go there. I want to have a, a brave heart. I want to go right into the middle of it. I don't want to just, you know, save and be, and I just, what are we doing? Our, well, this life is so short, isn't it? It's just so short. Some of you know that. Some of you are in the last quarter of your life. A few of you, well... It's just so short. It doesn't matter if you live 40 years, 50 years, 80 years, 90 years, 100 years. It's just over like that. I mean, I was looking at today. I was, I was looking. At, I, I opened up. I have this that I always put my notes in with a Luke 14, 23. Then I have another one that I use. doesn't have that on it. I, was just, I opened it up, and I always put the pictures of the kids, you know. And, and last time I did, it's been a while since I've done a wedding. And don't do much of that anymore. But I, I do this kind of wedding thing. And there was a picture of the girls. And they were all just like, da, 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 you know, just, you know it's like 13, 14 years ago. And I was like, oh my gosh, look. At, and it was like 12 years ago. I was like, look at them. Is he getting married? Just, look at her little... Their little teeth were going everywhere and four pre-braces and pre, and they were just beautiful and happy. And, and I mean, that was yesterday. You can relate to this, can't you? Yeah, we, we bought a house down here in Palm Springs. It felt like it was it two, three years ago, honey. It was 30 years ago, sweetheart. <laughs> 30 years ago? Wow, that's crazy. Happened so fast. So how? How do we imitate God? Well, one of the ways that I know that we can imitate God, because we got the figure, if we're going to follow in Jesus' footsteps, what did we learn from Ephesians 5, 1 and 2? That he was a sacrifice, that was a fragrant aroma to God. We get the same calling on our own lives. We looked at this a few weeks ago, Romans chapter 12. Many of you will know it well. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. You want to worship God? You want to love God? Give him your body. So here it is. You can have my life. You can have my stuff. You can have, and I was talking to the guys today, and I just said, look, how hard is that to get somebody again in Calcutta, saying, you know, some kid, you know, on a garbage mound trying to scavenge for food? You're going to have to give up your life. I'm happy to give up my life. That's very easy. Why is it difficult for a wealthy man to enter the kingdom of heaven? There's just more to kind of give to the Lord. It seems more sacrificial. Seems more sacrificial. Like we have somehow, if this thing isn't true, deep down in the back of our mind, if this isn't true, and we kind of just, and I'm not talking about literally writing out a check and being destitute. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about, Lord, whatever I have, I know I'm a steward. I'm a momentary steward. You can have my life. Just take it. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. All my stuff is you gave it to me anyway. You can take it away. Whatever. I just give my life. I, that's what I want to do. And that's, 
Isn't that imitating Jesus? That is imitating God. You want to imitate God? Give up everything. Jesus showed us that he gave up everything and gave up eventually his life as a living sacrifice. Chances are there won't be one person. Maybe there will. Probably not one person within my my voice, either live stream or YouTube, that will ever actually have to physically give up their life. Why? Because we're not in the Middle East. We're here in the comfort of the West. But we should still have the same intention that would lead us to that inglorious, or may I say glorious, end if done in God's sovereign plan. The same intention of heart starts with one who is in a wealthy, comfortable place just to say, I give my life to you, whatever you want. It's a living sacrifice, and that's how I love you, and that's how I worship you, and because of Jesus, that's how I imitate you. I give you my life, whatever you want to do with it. I used to say, I don't know why you'd want my life. I really, I did for years. I don't know why you would want my life, but I'll give it to you if you want it. And he does. He does. He loves you. He wants your life. And he has amazing plans for your life. I mean, I believe that. Amazing plans. Amazing plans. John 13. Think about Jesus as well. Not only a living sacrifice, but listen to, listen to the activity of Jesus here. Are you ready? So when he had washed, verse 12, John 13, verse 12. So when he had washed their feet, the creator of the universe, getting down on his hands and knees and washing the feet, of his fallen creation. I, I, I don't know what to do with that. I mean, sometimes, and, and Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Stop for a second. The creator of all things, fallen world, and he gets down on his feet, and he girds himself to serve, and he puts a towel around him. And this isn't feet like our feet today, folks. And the comfort of some nice gold-toed socks, <laughs> freshly powdered. Feet back then lived in sandals on dusty roads, and they didn't get to bathe as often as we This was dirty work. And he gets down, and he washes their feet. And, I mean, what kind of God? Who is this? What is he doing? Where is this? What kind of love does that? I'm asking you. And it says, and taking his garments and reclined at the table, he said, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you know, you know what? You're right, for I, I, I'm that. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example, he didn't say it, but to imitate. That's what he's saying. So that you should do just, just the same things I do. I'm giving you an example. You want to imitate me? I'm giving you the example. Now, I don't think certainly in this day and age, I, I see these and I think symbolically they're fine where they have feet washing ceremonies and they'll come in. And I've been part of that once. It wasn't my favorite thing to do. Uh, <clears throat> I don't think it's a symbol here, the washing of the feet. Today, you could, we could have any current 21st century kind of application Somebody's going through a, a divorce and, and all of a sudden, and, or maybe a guy actually commits adultery and he, he loses his family and, and now he becomes a pariah and all of a sudden he's out there and he's, is it, 
and you go and just being with him and caring for him and reaching out to him and, and spending time with him, something maybe you don't, maybe you don't want to do, but that, and then that way you're washing his feet. You're caring for him. You're, you're actually you're imitating God there. You're imitating God. Anytime you get down and you serve in a way that is not something you would just naturally want to do. Oh, yeah, this would be so fun. We could just go out and have a nice dinner together. No, no, no. Where you know you're going to go and the whole tenor of the conversation is not going to be, oh, our next trip and how wonderful the golf courses are, how wonderful everything is and all this. You know the whole tenor, it'll soon turn to the depression or the chaos in that person's life and you'll be, uh, you'll be in that situation for a couple of hours. That's washing somebody's feet. That's modern day washing somebody's feet. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. They're in, they're in need. There's dirtiness in their life, and they need some cleaning. They need the word of God. They need, they need your love. They need your care. And Jesus said, I'm, just, I'm giving you, that's an example. It's not always just going to fit in your schedule and be your perfect timing. God, I'm going to call you into situations where you need to get down, and you need to be with the dirty, and you need to be with those in need. And that can be the wealthiest person. It can be the person that's homeless because need comes in all forms. There's the down and outers, there's the up and outers. But they're all out. They're all out. So as we, as we close this, uh, how do you set your mind on this love component, you know? Uh, I just wrote a few thoughts here this afternoon and I'm gonna share them with you. Uh, we best imitate through loving the right things. We begin to love the right things when we, what, put ourselves in places through habit to fall in love. So if we want to imitate God, we need to have habits that will put us in places where we can begin the process of loving the right thing. One of the things that happens when you come to Jesus is not just, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. I know you love these things. And that's the way a lot of people see the Christian life, by the way. You do realize that right out there. Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to go with you to some church at the red door? That sounds weird. What is church at the red door? I've never seen a red door down there. What is that? What are you even talking about? Oh, I don't want to get involved in that religion. They're just going to, they're going to take this fun away from me. They're going to take that fun away from me. They're going to take that fun away from me. They may not say that, but deep down, that's what they're saying. I don't want to make those weird religious sacrifices. This is weird. Well, God never asks us to take something away that he doesn't intend to replace you're just loving the wrong things is what you're doing. And God's saying, plus, those things never pay off in the end. It's going to leave you wanting more. You're, you're going to be like an addict. You're just going to one more hit, one more hit, one more hit, and then it's got to be a little higher. Then your dopamine levels change, and then you just got to have more excitement, more whatever it is. More food. What is it? You fill it with food. You fill it with travel. At some point, you'll come to an end of that, and this is like enough already. You know, the existential guy, I've quoted him many times, Albert Camus. He said, you know, this whole, this whole idea is just this life. It's just, well, the only real thing that makes sense to him was suicide. We've talked about that before. That's the only thing that really makes sense. And trying to find your own identity and, and, and describing who you are and to be an original, he, he, he called it, it's like Atlas trying to carry the celestial bodies on his shoulder, usually pictured as a globe, you know. He felt just me trying to create an identity and a reason for meaning. If I'm not imitating God, why would I even want to take these other people? He could see they, they were all, he could see the end of it. He was just honest about it. The end is just boredom. 
I mean, eventually you experience this and a little bit more of that, a little bit more of that, another trip and another this and another that and a bigger house and all that. And you just get more empty as you pursue. And if it's materialism or whatever, it's just empty. And he could kind of see the end of that. And he says, now I've got to be somehow an original and I've got to create some kind of identity. He said, it's like Atlas carrying the whole world on his back. It's just too much for me. He was actually, Albert Camus was quite frankly honest. He didn't understand God, and he never posited God, but he was honest in his assessment of a life without God is just nothing, nothing. Not like Jesus. So if I repeated exposure, think about this, to, you know, junk culture, junk food, junk relationships, can inspire people to trade away their physical health, their emotional health, or even their relational health, what could happen if we put ourselves in a place in which we can actually fall in love with love itself, the creator of the universe? What would happen? What if you actually began to love God and imitate him? And he promises that you don't, you're not going to need more dopamine because you're just always going to, you can always come to me, always. You can never plumb the depths. You never come to the end of me. I'm telling you, if you'll imitate me, you'll be an original and you will always, you will always, there's always something around the corner, something new, something exciting, something that will explode in your life. Uh, I have new things every day. My mercies, they're new every morning. But depression sets in on those, especially those that have experienced, you know, I got to tell you, depression rules in this valley. I'll tell you, it does. Depression can rule in this valley because it's kind of like I've experienced everything and it's all vanity and chasing after wind. All of it. But what if you could fall in love? So your habits, that's the way you love God. That's the way you imitate God. Imitate the habits of Jesus. He put himself in a position, even though he was fully man, he put himself in a position to where he could love the right things. Do you love the right things? If you love the right things, you will lead a life that is worthy of imitation. If you love the wrong things, you will live a life that is not worthy of imitation. Simple as that. That's pretty much, that's pretty much this. So in closing, I would say there is a day coming. There is a day coming. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 49. You know, you want to imitate God? Well, listen to this. Just as we have borne, this is the ESV, by the way, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. What, what he's saying here, Paul is saying, we will bear God's image. We will be perfect imitations of him one day. Never perfectly in this life, but one day. And then 1 John 3, 2, are you ready for this? Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be, but we know that when he appears, when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him exactly as he is. See, today we, we can imitate <clears throat> a friend who is fruitful. We can imitate the Apostle Paul as he followed Christ. We can go back into the patriarchs and imitate them in an effort to imitate God. But there is coming a day when we will see Jesus as exactly as he is, and the Bible says that we will become like him. We will be perfect, both imitators of his nature and beautiful, incredible, uniquely fashioned originals. You say you can't have it both ways. Yes, you can. You can have it both ways. I'm just telling you. You can be perfectly imitating the very nature of God and be the most unique and beautiful, amazing piece of heaven 
And we will need you, every one of you, in earshot for all of eternity. We need the uniqueness of who God created you to be. Don't settle for cheap imitations. Please don't. So do you have a life, of imi- do you have a life that's worth imitating? I'm just asking you. Ask yourself, do I have a life? Do I have a life today that I would want somebody to come along and imitate? Could I say, as Paul said, imitate me? Imitate me. I'm not quite there yet. But I can say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow. Remember, follow and imitate is pretty essentially the same thing. Same Greek there. Follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. But if you're not, hang in there. That's my encouragement to you today. So you say, I don't have a life worth imitation. Can I just say hang in there? One foot in front of the other, just one. Just hang in there, friends. But what are you going to do? You're going to find community. You're not just going to go out and just pop in and pop out and be a little loner and be a maverick and expect to change. You cannot expect that that's going to change you. That is just pie-in-the-sky thinking. That's Pollyannish at its core. But if you put yourself in the right place, you spend time with people who are in the Word, and you, you pray, and you love God, and you begin to practice the very habits that Jesus practiced. Get away. Isolation, silence, solitude. Get away from the, all the stuff that wants you to imitate them. Imitate, imitate. That's all Madison Avenue is about. Imitate this, imitate this, imitate this. And then you simply go back and say, God, I just want to imitate you. If you hang in there, there is a beautiful day coming. Let's close with this worship song, and I'll close in prayer.